Thank you. So as Pastor said, I am Ian Robbins, and I am so blessed to be here today. And if you're like me, I know many of you are probably sitting there like, oh my gosh, Pastor's not speaking today. Who's that guy up there? I've done that many times where I've come into service, and I'm, I look and I see, well, Pastor doesn't have his mic on. Oh no, that means somebody else is going to speak. So I, I just want to tell you, I really believe that God has a word for us today, and is. Pastor Bruce said, um, there are some similarities between what I'm going to share with you today and what he shared last week on the idea of community and life groups. And so I really believe that God's trying to get our attention on this subject. So I hope that uh, you'll be able to find this very informative and something that you can grab onto. I just have to say that um, I was looking so forward to introducing my lovely, amazing, precious, and hot-smoking wife to you. I was going to point her out to you because she usually sits right here, but she's not here today. She is such a giving, wonderful woman, but she did not want to give you the crud that she has, so hopefully she'll be back here next week. So I'm sorry about that. But listen, it is so good to be back here in Montana. I just love uh, being in God's country, and I have missed it for the last three years. But being back here is such a blessing, and it's so good to be with all of you today. Um, I just need to tell you that I'm the type of guy who really likes to have the bottom line up front. I was military for a number of years, and we used to call the bottom line up front the bluff. And so anytime I'm in a conference or I hear somebody speak, I'm looking for what's that one thing that I can take away? What's the bottom line? I look for it right at the beginning. So I'm going to give that to you right now. The bottom line up front for today's message is doing life alone is dangerous. And I just want to say that uh, this is also happens to be the title of the message today. So if I, want, if I could leave you with anything uh, from this message today, it is understanding that doing life alone is dangerous. Uh, we're going to be talking about why that is and some practical ways on how we can go about combating that. How can we do more community together? What are some practical ways in which we can do that? And so I, I believe that we can't live a fulfilling and meaningful life without friends. God didn't design us that way. If you look back in the very, very beginning, uh, back in Genesis, there was a pattern that God established. God said, let there be light, and there was light, and he says it was good. And he did that after everything that he created, until he got to man. And when he got to man, he said, it is not good for man to be alone. So God made woman. He made woman to be man's helper. How many of you husbands are thankful for your wives? Woohoo! Yes, I know I am. But see, it doesn't stop there. I mean, yes, the, the idea here is God made man and woman for that relationship, but God actually made us to be relational. We are relational beings to our core. He put that in our DNA. He hardwired us for the need for relationships. Ever since the day sin entered the world, Satan has been after ways to distract us, to tempt us, to discourage us, and take us away from God, right? He has. But have you ever noticed how Satan wants us to do the complete opposite of what God desires? God wants us to be relational. Satan wants for us to be alone. That's what he wants. He wants for us to be alone. You have to forgive me. I've got to get used to all this technology you guys have here. So we're, you can see that in this first passage here, 1 Peter 5, 8. It says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. 
So there are a few things to see in this passage. I'll just tell you the first one here is in the first two words, stay alert. If you look at this in the King James or the New King James or some other translations, it actually says be sober. So I, I wanted to study that a little bit. So I dug into those two words, be sober. And obviously on the surface, it means to be clear-minded, to not be consumed with alcohol, to have all your faculties. But when you look at the, the words be sober in the Greek text, you take it back to the original text, the Greek word for be sober is nepho. And that means, nepho means to be uh, watchful, to exercise self-restraint, and to be self-controlled. It's this idea of self-control that I want us to see today. That's the, that's the key here, to be self-controlled. You're going to see self kind of the common thread throughout today's message. The second thing here to notice is if you see it says, watch out for your great enemy. I love this translation because it says your great enemy. The point is, is we should never underestimate our enemy, right? He's been doing this for thousands of years. He's pretty much perfected the idea of how to get us uh, sideways away from God. So never underestimate him. And I would say the last and most important out of this passage is, if you look, he says that he's prowling around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So he's not looking for Crosspoint Church. He's not looking for your life group or your group of buddies up at work. He's looking for that someone. Because lions, if you see, ever notice how lions hunt, they hunt by isolating their prey. And their prey is usually one at a time. That's how they do it. The point is, doing life alone is dangerous. That's exactly what the enemy wants. And when you are alone, you are an easy target. When we're alone, that is when we're the most vulnerable. I've seen far too many casualties where people are doing life alone. They don't have the love, the accountability, or the joy of being part of a life group or a group of godly friends. Don't become that casualty. I want to encourage you today to get plugged into a life group, to get connected. If you've got your, your uh, hand out there with you in the bulletin, you can follow along in the outline. But the first point of today's message is it is safer together. It's safer together. We were made to live in community, to be connected to the body. And if you remember from Romans chapter 12, Paul uses this analogy of the human body to describe the body of Christ. And so the human body has many parts, right? I've got my eyes, that's so I can see. I've got my hands so I can grab hold of things. I've got my feet so that I can walk. And that's very similar to the body of Christ. You and I are part of the body of Christ, and we each have these unique gifts planted in us And we each have a unique purpose within the body of Christ. And so just like like your human body, each part is unique. So you might be a hand, you might be a foot, you might be an eye, um, you might be an arm. But we're all different and we're all needed. Each one of us are needed. And each one of us are wanted. Um, What if you're the foot? or you're the eye, or you're the hand, and we really need a helping hand in this church. Or what if you're just the arm or just the leg? But I got to tell you, just don't be a butt, because we don't need any of those. Okay? Now, I'm, I'm, only, I'm only kidding with you. I'm only kidding with you. All right, so our first passage today, or the one we're going to spend the most time in, is Ecclesiastes chapter 4. So if you've got your Bibles, you can turn there with me. I'll read it to you. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together 
can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better. For a triple braided cord is not easily broken. So I'm going to unpack this verse. When I was studying it, there was four things that came to mind in terms of what friendships provide. The first is productivity. Two people are better than one, for they can help each other succeed. Now the key here is you've got to be willing to ask for help, right? I know that when I was getting ready to um, move here from Florida, I had several projects that I needed to do around the house to get the house ready to sell. Uh, we had a hurricane roll through some time ago and had ripped the, uh, the roof off of my tiki hut back there by our pool, and so I needed to repair the tiki hut and put some new tiki thatch up there. So I got out my eight-foot ladder. I'm on the very, very top of the ladder, stretching out on my tiptoes, and the ladder's kind of wobbling around. It was kind of dangerous, and I'm trying to staple this tiki thatch up there. And my wife comes out and is like, what in the world are you doing? Husbands, how many times has your wife tried to come and speak wisdom to you, right? And we're not always willing to listen to that. So there she is. What are you doing? And I'm like, well, honey, I got all this stuff I've got to do. I've got to, man, we've got to get all this stuff done so we can sell the house. I'm just trying to get it done. And she says, well, why don't you just call a friend? I'm like, well, I got this. I don't know how many times I've said that. I got this. I can do it. She says, why don't you just call a friend? So I eventually caved. I did call a friend. He came over. And within an hour, we had knocked it out and we had it, we had it all done. And so two are better than one. But you've got to ask for help. The good news there is that nobody died and my wife didn't divorce me. So I was pretty happy about that. Then when we moved here to Montana, we had this big semi-truck and we had all of our stuff in the semi-truck and I was thinking, gosh, how am I going to get all this unloaded? I mean, I feel like I could get most of the boxes, but I can't get the furniture, some of that heavy furniture myself. At least one side of me thinks that. The other side says, oh yeah, I can do it. So I got to thinking, well, who can I call? that I can ask for help from. Don't know too many people out in the, up in Houston area, and my in-laws are kind of getting along in age. I didn't want to burden them. So I called the one person that I knew that I could call because I figured this one person is very well connected and knew, would probably know some guys that could come out and help. So I called him up and I said, hey, can you come help me? Uh, I've got some heavy stuff. Do you know of some guys that could come help? And I didn't expect that this particular individual would be the one to actually come out and help because I knew he had a very busy schedule, but he did. You want to know who that one person was? It was your pastor. Pastor Bruce came out. And let me tell you, he was helping haul that stuff off that truck like a boss. I mean, your pastor's pretty buff. Don't let him fool you in those nice shirts that he wears. He's got some guns too. Pastor, you got some guns. Just saying. (laughs) Not to embarrass you. So, all right. So my next point here is support. This is the second things that uh, friendships provide. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. So you got to think here, there's two people that are needed within this particular example. You've got the one person to reach out. You've got the next person to, to grab on. Now one person can reach out all day long, but if that other person is not willing to grab on, is not willing to accept help, you know how it is. Sometimes we're stubborn And we feel like, no, I don't need anyone's help. I got this. But if you don't grab on, you're not going to be able to get that support. It's funny how most of us like to act like we've got it all together. We can act like we've got it all together and our whole world is falling apart. I mean, some of us Christians can be such a big bunch of fakers, right? And I can say that because I'm one of them. I can fake with the best of them, believe me. 
fake it till you make it. I'm, I'm pretty good at it. You know, we see someone and we ask, hey, how's it going? What's the typical response? I'm good. How are you? Oh, I'm good. It's just this, you know, this meaningful kind of banter. How, when was the last time you asked somebody and you said, hey, how's it going? And they said, terrible. My dog died yesterday. I got fired from my job. My wife left me and now I've got cancer. Great. Have you ever had anyone do that to you? I mean, why can't we just be real with one another instead of having to put on this, this facade? Somewhere along the line, many of us have had this idea planted in us that we as Christians have to be perfect. And it's only when we're real with one another that we develop those genuine relationships. And one of the best ways to get real with one another is in a life group. Life groups provide, and they should provide, a safe atmosphere where you can be comfortable, you can share your heart without judgment, you don't have to worry about people broadcasting what you share uh, to others. Gossip, I mean, that can be the killer of trust, right? In a life group, these people doing life together, that, that should not occur. And, you know, our enemy wants us to think that we don't need a life group, that we don't need any help, and that we can handle everything on our own. That's the first thing. Expect that to happen. That's the first thing the enemy is going to do is want to discourage you from even stepping out there in faith to go to a life group. The next thing the enemy is going to do is once you get in a life group and get there, he's going to try to discourage you from wanting to share because he's going to make you feel like, you know what, if you share... They don't really care about you. That's the first thing he's going to make you think. They don't really care. And if it's not that, he'll make you think that, well, they're not going to understand. And if they don't understand, then he'll make you feel like, you know what? What you're about to share is far too burdensome for that other individual to actually hear. They're not going to be able to carry. Your baggage is too heavy for them. All I can tell you is don't listen to those lies, because that's what it is. Those are lies. The enemy is the father of lies. He's the master deceiver, and that's all he's after is he wants to keep you alone, because when you're alone, you're the most vulnerable. Doing life alone is dangerous. The Bible says that we are to share each other's burdens. This isn't a suggestion. We are to share each other's burdens. Now, we can't always carry another person's burden, but what we can do is make it lighter. And one of the ways that we can make it lighter is simply to listen, right? I wish I'd learned that early on in my marriage. I mean, really, I could have saved myself a whole lot of trouble if I just learned to listen. Because I'm the type of guy that as soon as I hear the problem, my mind's thinking of the solution. It's just how I'm wired. I'm Mr. Fix-It. I need to solve that problem. So early on in our marriage, my wife would be talking, and I think, okay, it's great. Okay. Oh, there's the problem. And now I'm thinking of the solution, and she's still talking, and I don't hear anything else after that because I'm trying to fix it. Now you fast forward a few years, I'm a little wiser than I used to be. Just the other day she was sharing this problem with me, and I actually listened. I heard everything she said, not in my head. Got to the end, and you know what she said to me? She said, honey, thank you for listening. And I patted myself on the back, and I said, woohoo, I got one. I actually did it. I did listen. So the point is, is you can make the load lighter for somebody if you'll just listen. Listen to them. The next way that you can do that is, is keep their confidence. As I said, gossip is the is biggest killer of trust in a relationship. If you'll keep their confidence, that'll help make that burden lighter. The third one is pray for and with someone. It's one thing to say, hey, I'm praying for you, and that's good. That's great. But if you want to take it to the next level, pray with them. 
If you hear they've got a need, put your arm around them and start praying with them. There is power in prayer. And the last one there in regards to how to lighten a burden is just be a friend. It's pretty simple. If we'll do those four things, we can make the load lighter for someone. So we've talked about productivity. We've talked about support. The third thing that friendships provide is encouragement. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be how can one be warm alone? So this is true in the literal sense. I don't think I have to explain it, what that means here. But there is a spiritual application here. Friends can keep each other spiritually warm. And when we're alone, we often get, to, we often get lazy, right, when we're alone. There's no accountability to keep us in check, so we can grow spiritually cold if we're not careful when we're alone. Friends can strengthen our faith, They can help us be on fire for Jesus. They can encourage us. They can protect us. If you think Proverbs 27, 17 says that as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Another translation says, so as one friend sharpens another friend. So I'm the kind of guy that thinks in pictures. You start talking to me, I have these visuals. So picture this. You've got two pieces of metal here we're talking about, and they're being sharpened. And when you have two pieces of metal being sharpened, a couple things happen. You've got heat, and you've got sparks. And it's the sparks that I want us to see here because sometimes encouragement is not telling somebody what they want to hear. It's telling them what they need to hear, right? And sometimes that can hurt. How many times I've heard from some of my friends where they've held me accountable for perhaps I'm going off in a different direction and they've said something to to me to help get me back on track. And it may have hurt, but that's the mark of a true friend. They're not afraid to tell you what you need to hear versus what you want to hear. And the last part of this verse, it says, but how can one be warm alone? We can't stay spiritually warm all by ourselves. We just can't do that. The last one, and probably my favorite out of the four that friendships provide, is protection. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be that person standing alone to be attacked and defeated, right? I mean, we need each other. Protection. Doing life alone, it's dangerous. It's extremely comforting knowing that when trouble comes, and it will, it always does, that you have others around you that have got your back. Whose back do you have? Who's got your back? I've got a little illustration here to help drive this point home. And I've got some 550 cord here. Some of you that may have been in the military know what this stuff is. Another name for it is parachute cord. I didn't bring in a triple braided cord, so bear with me. This is my favorite here. This 550 cord has a tensile strength of 550 pounds. That's where it gets its name. So if I were to hook up some bricks to it and try to pull it up, and their bricks were about 550 pounds, this thing is almost going to hold all the way up to that weight. Do you know where the strength is in this 550 cord? When you open it up and look at the guts of it, I don't know if some of you can see this, there's all these single strands that make up this cord, right? So if I were to pull out one of those strands, this is what it looks like, and I were to apply some pressure to this one strand, and I pull on it, it's going to break, right? Now, if I try to do that with this 550 cord, I could just about pull my foot off before it would break. And the reason is, is that all of these working together is what gives it its strength. The point is, is we are much stronger together 
than we are when we're apart. It's critical that we understand that. I want you to know that don't try to be that solo Christian trying to fight your battles all by yourself. Just like that single strand of cord, if you're trying to fight your battles by yourself, more than likely you're going to break. We really do need each other. Share that burden. Friendships will do one of two things. They're either going to draw you closer to God or they're going to pull you away from Him. They're going to do one or the other. And that's why it's so important for you to choose your friends wisely. Choose your friends wisely. Um, You can't live the right life with the wrong friends. You just can't do it. You cannot live the right life with the wrong friends. There are several verses in the book of Proverbs that deal with how to select your friends. And I'm not going to go through them all today for the sake of time, but I did pick out one of my favorites, and that's the one we're going to spend some time on today. And it's Proverbs 13:20. He who walks with the wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. There is both a promise and a warning in this verse. The promise is this. He who walks with the wise is going to be wise. But if you walk with the fool, well, you're going to suffer some harm. You're going you're to feel some pain. And it's not a question of if. It's not a question of even maybe. You're going to suffer pain. That's what this scripture says. But the companion of fools will suffer harm. The first question we should ask ourselves when we're selecting our friends is this. Is my friend heading in the direction that leads to God? Friends influence the direction and quality of our lives. If you're trying to follow after God and your friends are into things that don't honor Him, this will eventually lead you in the wrong direction. And it could have a major impact on the quality of your life. It could. I've seen examples of people who are trying to follow God and they're seemingly doing all the right things. They're going to church, they're perhaps in a life group, but they're hanging with the wrong crowd. And that wrong crowd ultimately has some influence on them and they end up becoming a casualty. Whether that casualty is a result of divorce, alcohol, drugs, or you name the sin, it happens. It's because of that wrong crowd. Friends influence the direction and the quality of our lives. So listen, don't be fooled just because somebody says they're a Christian or just because they go to church. Unfortunately, there are a lot more fans of God than there are fully devoted followers of Christ. Real friends should be tested and proven. Notice I said perfect. I did not, or notice I didn't say perfect. I said proven. They should be proven. Do they really follow Jesus or are they just a fan of him? Do they push you closer to Christ? And is their friendship life-giving? In other words, does it produce life? Does it build you up? Does it encourage you? Does it strengthen your faith? Those are questions we should ask ourselves about our friends. You absolutely cannot live a right life with the wrong friends. I think 1 Corinthians 15.33 really sums this up. It says, bad company corrupts good character. That is the summation of all of this. What I can tell you is, is be very careful. I think sometimes we have this tendency to want to put on our Superman or Superwoman cape and think we can handle it. Listen to the truth of this scripture. Bad company corrupts good character. If you hang around that stuff long enough, it's going to have an effect on you. The best way to have friends is simply to be a friend. Be a friend. 
And when we focus on being a friend, this helps take the focus off of ourselves. Remember how we were talking about being sober? It says be self-controlled. This is that whole, this is the tie-in here. We've got to get away from this focus on ourselves. And when we focus on being a friend to somebody, that helps turn the attention away. Many times we can get caught up in what we can get versus what we can give out of a relationship. And friendships are all about giving. Giving of your time, giving of your talents, giving of your resources, and giving of your heart. That's what friendships are really about. And I love how Philippians chapter 2 really puts this, beginning in verse 3. It says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your interests, but take an interest in others too. Man, I love this. Don't be selfish. Being selfless is the key to meaningful and lasting relationships. But we can't effectively do this at a distance. We can't effectively do this when we're alone. We have to be intentional. We've got to take the initiative. And taking the initiative means that we've got to spend time together. We've got to seek out time. And that means you've got to make time. Because let's face it, we all live busy lives, right? I mean, those of you that have got kids, younger kids, I know you're running around with your kids and you've got this going on. Some of you that are maybe at retirement age, you've got all these projects around the house that perhaps you're doing. I know my in-laws do. They're retired, but maybe you wouldn't know it. They're outside every day doing something. But face it, we all live busy lives. But we've got to make time and be intentional with one another in order to spend time together. And I think some of the challenge is this. It's easier to just stay home, isn't it? It's easier. It's comfortable. It's cozy. I can curl up on the couch. I can chill out. I can watch, you know, some TV. I can do whatever I need to do. And perhaps we might be thinking to ourselves, ah, I don't really need to meet with that person. I'll just send them a quick text message. Hey, bless you. Love you. How you doing? Miss you. Or we could send them a Facebook post. And, and don't get me wrong. I'm not hating on that kind of technology. But if you're using that as a substitute, versus engaging in real life together in a group face-to-face, that's wherein lies the the challenge. We've got to be intentional because if we're not, it's just not going to happen. There's always that temptation dangling out there to not engage and to do our own thing. You know, we can say to ourselves, I'm too busy to be in a life group. I don't know anyone or I don't know enough about the Bible. And those are all the typical excuses um, when it comes to, to meeting together. But listen, that is exactly what the enemy wants. That's what he wants. He wants you by yourself because I said, as I said, when you're alone, you're the most vulnerable. He loves it when there's no fellowship going on because we're easy targets. Why is it that we're the most connected technologically today than we've ever been in the history of the world and yet many of us still feel disconnected? You ever ask that question? I mean, that's amazing. We can do some amazing stuff with the technology today, but yet many of us still feel disconnected. It doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. Be a friend. Take action. Be intentional. We need to stop focusing so much on ourselves and start loving other people. That's really what it comes down to. Jesus said in John 15, 13, that there is no greater love than to lay down your life for your friends. And... In other words, we've got to die to ourselves. Have you ever looked at the word friend? If you look at the word friend, my wife brought this to me a few years ago when she was doing some study, and I thought, man, this is really cool. When you look at the word friend, look at the last few letters there. It says, I end. I end. 
In other words, I come to the end of myself. It's not about me anymore, right? It's about my friend. I end. And I end is hard for many of us because we're selfish by nature, right? We are. We're selfish. Did you know that we have a friend who is the ultimate example of selfless? He came to this earth to end. He said, I end my very life for you. The greatest and most fulfilling friendship that you can ever have is with Jesus Christ himself. He is the best example of a friend. He came to serve, not to be served. The God of this universe, the king of this world, came to serve. He came, he lived as a man, he carried my burdens, your burdens, all the way to the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. And he gave us the greatest gift we could ever receive in doing that, the gift of eternal life. You know how we get that gift? This is how we get it. All we have to do is believe in Jesus as Lord and confess with our mouth that God raised him from the dead. That's what we need to do to receive that gift. And here's the best part about being friends with Jesus. He says, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. That's the kind of friend we need, right? One that will never leave us. One that will accept us. Someone that we can depend upon. Did you know that Jesus is proven and he's perfect like no one else? Do you want to be a friend of Jesus? You know, he calls us his friend if we do what he commands. And what does he command? I'll make this real simple. Love God, love people. Love God above all else, love people like you do yourself. That's what he commands. You can't effectively do that by yourself. Doing life alone is dangerous. I want to leave you with this. You are needed and you are wanted. Doing life alone is dangerous. The best way to overcome this is to stay connected. Stay connected with other believers because it's safer. Choose your friends wisely. Be a friend focusing on what you can give versus what you can get. And keep your eyes fixed on the one and only best friend that we could ever have. This should be our number one friendship. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you came into this earth, that you died for us, that you gave us that free gift. Lord, I just pray that you'd encourage all of us here to understand that we need one another, that we need to do life with one another, that we can't do it all by ourselves. We love you, we praise you, we give you all the glory and honor in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Well done.